This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your go-to Iowa-based sports show, hosted by the one and only Elliot Clough. What's up, Cedar Valley, and hello to the Hawkeye State. This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your Iowa-based sports show, hosted by me, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. You and I, insider for Town Square Media. We're talking a variety of things today. Some you and I basketball players still in the portal for Iowa, Iowa State, and you and I mostly just focusing on you and I. But uh, if there will be an uptick in players here soon, we'll talk about that as well. Which positions from you and I will be sought after? And so we're going to hit you and I pretty hard today with with basketball and football. Uh, not a ton of Iowa and Iowa State talk, but we will do our best to hit on both of those things. But before we get really too deep into any of that, I just want to share some quick thoughts on the DeMar Hamlin thing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that anyone and everyone knows what's going on and is kind of, I mean, we, we know, we know what's happening, right? We know what's happened. We know it's terrible. We know that some folks on Twitter were just, I'm not even going to say their names, but were just not, not cool in the way it was handled. And I don't necessarily think that I need to interject myself into this conversation. I, I know we have talked about some hard stuff here on corn stocks and sports talk before, but I, I think we, we all knew that something like this was possible, that things like this are, are possible in football, especially at the highest level. But when a young man who's just the age of 24 can't breathe on his own, it's it's different. You know, it's it, this is scary, man. This is scary. And I, I haven't heard any real updates today as far as I know. I think it, something like that would have popped up on my on my Twitter feed or, or any other social media. But it's it's scary. Um, it's it's really sad. A teammate of UNI, former UNI right tackle Spencer Brown and. I believe AJ Epines is still with the Bills. Maybe a few other other Hawks. I know Micah Hyde was recently with them. I couldn't tell you if he's on their roster this year or not. But uh, some some Iowa connections there to Demar, and you know I don't I don't care if you're religious or not. I I really don't. Uh, you know to to each their own. I, I'm Christian personally, but that's really beside the point. If there's anything you can do, you know, send prayers, send send some good vibes, or, or if there's anything that you can offer to to him and his family, thoughts, you know, thoughts and prayers, right? And they only do so much, but if there's anything you can do, uh, well, well, there's actually something tangible you can do, which won't necessarily directly benefit Hamlin, but is a great cause that he started. Uh, is GoFundMe. It's a goal of twenty five hundred dollars, and it's now up over four point eight million dollars. This was for a toys for kids kind of thing over the holidays, I believe. But um, I have the the link on my Twitter feed. I'll also put it in the description of today's show. But yeah, the Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive. This fundraiser was initially established to support a toy drive for Demar's community, sponsored by Chasing M's Foundation. However, it has received renewed support in light of Demar's current battle. And we can't thank you all enough. Your generosity and compassion mean the world to us. This is from the GoFundMe page. If you would like to show your support and continue to contribute to Demar's community initiatives and his current fight, this is the place to do so. There we go. This is the only current fund that is being used by the Hamlin family. I'm sure he's receiving the best care possible, but that's that's an awesome thing to do and to continue to to add to a, a great cause. And 
Again, that'll be in the description on wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, KOEL app, what have you. But uh, I will say this is the type of news that is really good for the human heart, you know, just to, to hear that folks have stood up and decided to stand up behind him and offer his family support in financial ways upwards of almost $5 million is, is amazing. And to, to finish up, I will say, you know, my prayers will be with Damar Hamlin. Um, if you do believe in God and you don't know what to say, I'm, I'm reminded of this quote that I heard in a sermon one time when I was in college. Quote, in the same way a small child cannot draw a bad picture, so a child of God cannot offer a bad prayer. And in this circumstance, there's, there are no bad prayers to be had, to be offered in, uh, in regards to Damar Hamlin, who is just 24 years old and possibly fighting for his life at this moment in time. So we will take a brief break after that and get to some UNI sports. And we're back here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk, talking a little UNI basketball on this second segment. More specifically, a couple players that we've seen step up big time over these last few games. And with all of <laughs> with that preface, you know, with all the injuries and the ever changing amount of playing time, different guys who are seeing the floor, there are a few things that have stood out at this point in the season, obviously other than Austin Fife and Nate Heisey being missed at the moment. That's, that's the big one, right? That's, that's the number one, number one thing to, to be aware of, or that most fans are aware of at this moment in time, Bowen Bourne, Titan Anderson. These two are the guys, right? That's, that's obvious. Michael Duax, Trey Campbell, uh, they have stepped up in a big way as freshmen, a red shirt, freshman and Duax learning on the fly, getting a ton of minutes and, playing pretty well. Six and eight isn't the record they want by any means. Two and two in conference, not the record they want, but all four of those guys have been pretty solid. Trey Campbell learning a, a lot right now. Duax looks like he's played a year already. Of course, the mistakes are happening here and there, but both have been awesome. Bowen Bourne thrusted into the key scorer role. Titan Anderson, a double-double machine. I've been impressed with all four of them so far this season, but the one thing that might, I don't want to say shock anyone, but has come to the surface as of late, especially over these last few games, when he has been a little more healthy. And I'm going to go out a little bit further than some might by saying that Cole Henry is the key for this UNI men's basketball team this year. Not only has he played really well in, in stretches over these last few games with his health starting to regenerate. Of course, he's, he's still working on that. It's not 100%, as, as he said, that, that, ankle, that ankle injury that he's, he's dealt with so far this season. But Cole Henry hasn't just impressed over these last few games. I think he is the key to UNI's long-term success, at least throughout this season, maybe not going into next season or the year after that, but this come there this season for the rest of conference play and going into the MVC tournament, Cole Henry is the key. 
I think that's it. I think those are the three things <laughs> that are four things, I guess, that are obvious at this point. For Henry, when he has, listen to this stat, when he has eight or more points, you and I's three and one with their lone loss being that 40-footer that beat him at the last second against Southern Florida. South Florida, whatever they are, University of Southern Florida. In those games, he played 20-plus minutes. And I believe there's another stat here, which we will get to. Seven rebounds or more, they are 2-0 and as well for, for Cole Henry. Seven rebounds or more, and UNI basketball is 2-0 and in those games. Granted, again, that's a small sample size, but you're really only dealing with small sample size at, the, at this point in the season with this young of a team. Of course, Bowen, Titan, those are big sample sizes. Austin Five has a big sample size. Nate Heisey has a big sample size. But with the roster as it's currently constructed in terms of health, in terms of who's getting re- regular playing time, these these are not things to be ignored. I have never seen Cole Henry play like that prior to this season. Last year, he was getting time. Of course, Noah Carter ended up filling that spot at the five. Austin Fife, when he could could get out on the floor and, and play some consistent minutes, he was out there at that five position as well. Cole Henry did at the beginning of the year, but but not so much as, as the season progressed. But Cole has not only been what we expected him to be in terms of filling that five spot, being a serviceable big under the basket for the defense, being a facilitator, you know, in that top pick and roll offense, flow offense that they like to run at UNI. He's been aggressive around the basket too. Aggressive to a fault at times, I will say that. But when he has been aggressive, smooth, and and confident around the basket, he looks like an all-conference type of player. He does. It's an absolute travesty that that game against Towson was not televised because that was the best I've ever seen Cole Henry play at the collegiate level. He looked to score and to pass. He's getting boards. And honestly, in that game, at certain points, he looked like he was the best player on the floor. Not Bowen Bourne, not Titan Anderson. Cole Henry looked like he was the best player on the floor. Looked like he could do no wrong. I think he went six of seven from the floor, only missed one shot, if I'm remembering correctly. He had seven rebounds. And I'm going to pull up those stats, but I I have no reason to, to mislead you regarding that game. I mean, you can look at the box score right now. He scored 15 points in 20 minutes, 6 of 7 from the floor, and 3 of 4 from the free throw line with 2 rebounds, a steal. And he ended up finishing with 3 turnovers and 2 fouls, but... I believe that was more so in, in garbage time for, for Cole, maybe a few early on. But St. Bonaventure was good, too. Nine points in 27 minutes, four of seven from the field, one of three from the free throw line, seven rebounds, six assists in that one. And then Illinois State, he scored eight points in 22 minutes, four of eight from the field, uh, O of one from the free throw line, seven rebounds in that one, too. Two assists so and a steal to, to boot. So I have just been absolutely... I don't even I don't necessarily want to say flabbergasted because Cole has shown his dedication to the game. He's shown he's an athlete. He's shown he can be a crazy good passer, but he's clearly worked on all the other facets of his game. Coach Jake knew that they were going to have to lean on him this year, especially given that Fife was out at the beginning of the season and he has played so well as of late. I am going to make that leap and say that he is the key to their success because when he plays at that high level, you and I as a high-level basketball team, as high as a level as they can be right now with the amount of youth, with the amount of players they lost last season, with their best scorer being 5'11", with Titan Anderson being 6'6", and effectively having to play 
the the five spot at times and and be the best rebounder in the conference just under 10 rebounds a game double double machine when you have these circumstances Cole Henry is the key and he's been coming off the bench I sooner or later I'm gonna have to ask coach coach Jake about the plan if if bets will continue to start if if Cole continues to play this well not a referendum on on James Betts I think he's been solid this year he's done what you asked him to do but Cole Henry has been playing at, at a very high level and when he plays at that high level he's he's really good and whether or not coach Jake thinks that he's really good and the team's really good obviously high level really good <laughs> and so when he's playing at that level maybe you want him to come off the bench maybe you like that spark plug with that second unit maybe you like what he's doing there and you still like the fit with James Betts as the starter I I don't know I'm gonna have to ask coach Jake about that after uh, this this coming game assuming Cole Henry continues to play well but the way that he does that is he remains aggressive but doesn't force shots he's forced shots a little bit over these more recent games too and he's also been forced the ball a few times. Bowen rushing some passes here and there. Uh, he's the guy, obviously, right? He, he's he's the scorer on this team. He's the he's the straw that stirs the drink, if you will. But part of that is not forcing those passes into the interior, into Cole Henry down low, and putting him in a situation where he has to put up a shot, or you know he makes the decision to force the shot himself. You know, you got to look around and and see what's what's best for you as to as to uh, the playmaking as as uh, the offense as well because there are several times where Cole Henry has forced a shot and then he turns it around on the next possession finds Trey Campbell in the corner. There's a swing pass and this is one specific moment against Illinois State that I'm alluding to. He found Campbell in the corner, I believe it was. It was swung around. Bowen launched a three and he was fouled and he made all three shots. That takes this offense to another level when they're able to move that ball like that and you're not forcing a shot on the interior with your six, nine guy. But if Cole finds himself in a one-on-one scenario, he's probably going to score in just about every time. If somebody drops from the wing or from the corner to help and he finds that pass, this team's offense is just going to move so much more fluidly. Guys are going to score. They're going to get open shots. And as we've seen this season, the open shots don't always equal made shots, but open shots are better than contested shots, right? And so, I mean, that's just offense too. Like he's the only playable guy right now because of health that's taller than six seven that you can have be a rim protector offensively. And with his athleticism and length, that's really important to have on the inside of your defense protecting the paint. I mean, you have a true big there. That way you can play Titan at the four and you can just surround them with three other shooters. And Titan's shown he can extend his range in terms of shooting. He's hit a few threes this year. So you surround them with shooters with Bowen, Trey, and either Duax, Drew, Daniel, or, or Landon Wolf. And you've got your lineup right there. That could be supposedly your death lineup. And you can intermingle that, see how you like it with, with Ege in there if he proves to be a shooter, which we'll talk about here in a second. But... Henry has developed big time in terms of his defense too. Obviously, you and I likes to hedge the screen at the at the uh, above the perimeter, and he has shown his ability to defend the pick and roll has grown drastically. I don't know if their defense, their base defense, is, has changed at all. They they run man, you know that's just what they do. But I have been impressed with what he's done in terms of his growth this season defensively too. He's just, he's the key, man. 
He is the key. I, I'm excited to see how he continues to grow and, you know, hope for his health. Now, one more so unknown that surprised me and, and a lot of people in that game against Illinois State this weekend was Ege Peksari, man. Ege from coming in from Turkey this this offseason, getting that scholarship and, and joining the team. And he's played sparing minutes here and there, like two or three minutes, four minutes in, in a first half and then be done. But he got 17 minutes against Illinois State in that that last victory for the Panthers. And he didn't, I mean, he didn't look bad. There are a few moments, sure, right? Like there was one moment he didn't communicate on a switch, right? That that was was something that I was concerned about, but he did it. And then a few possessions later, he fixed it. And that is a Coach Jacobson player right there. That's a coachable player that wants to learn, that wants to get better, that wants to improve on defense because Lord knows he needed it. <laughs> if you saw any of, of Ege in some of those first few games, woo! defense was not his forte. We will say that, and I think Ege would, would agree with us on that. But that communication was huge to me. He was great in help defense, and I what that that's just incredibly encouraging, right? I, I mean, to have a guy who came in was more or less unplayable because he couldn't play defense, to grow that massive amount in just 14 games, is is huge. Now, do you want him in one-on-one situations? Absolutely not. But his help defense and his communication have drastically improved. I've been, I was just thoroughly impressed with with his play the other night. And granted, there are a couple things that also fed into him playing more minutes. Duax was an early foul trouble, two fouls in the first half. And Landon Wolf is in a shooting slump at the moment. I think he's made one shot in the last three or four games. So those two things factored into him playing more significant minutes. Now, as to his future playing consistently going forward, I think that's still up in the air. I think it's based on, obviously, those two things. Duax foul trouble, Wolf not being able to shoot recently, not being able to. Having some, he's struggling. He's struggling shooting from the floor right now. But additionally, you throw in, can Ege shoot? Which he's made a few threes this season. I think he's, I think he's shooting like, 38%, but he very limited, very limited uh, uh, shooting opportunities from deep. I think he's actually 33% now that I think about it. One of three from the floor from deep. If he can show a consistent touch from there, if he can continue to play high level, high level, high level for him defense <laughs> to show playable defense, then he's going to continue to get minutes. Now, you have to hide him more frequently defensively. You don't want him in a one-on-one situation because if other teams find that out, if they figure it out, seeing him on film, they're going to expose it, right? And the negative might outweigh the positive there. He's a playmaker. We've seen it. He's a crazy good passer. That pass right before the half to Drew Daniel was nasty. And he was plus 11. Didn't score, but he was plus 11 in his 17 minutes against Illinois State. So we will continue to to see what, what happens there. And uh, additionally, I think who knows what, what the lineups are going to continue to look like. James Betts, a great shooter for a big, but is he viable defensively against some of these other really big dudes in, in the MVC? Are you probably going to have to lean on, on Cole Henry, especially against a team like Drake with Darnell Brody. That was a moment where you needed Austin Fife last year and you don't have him so far this season. So I really think you're going to have to lean on Henry. Is there ever a situation, excuse me, situation where you put Henry and Betts on the floor at the same time because Betts can spread it out, but are they each quick 
enough to play defense effectively on both ends. And then, I mean, if Titan gets in, in foul trouble, maybe that's something you look at. I doubt it. I, that was just something I threw off, off off the top of my head. But what about Drew Daniel? What if he starts shooting incredibly well, like he did against Dubuque, where is, for right now he's shooting 20%. He's really impressed me defensively at times this year, but there he is lacking in the thing that he's supposed to be good at. 20% from three is not good. I think, again, I think he'd agree with that. And so if he starts shooting lights out, really gets into a flow of things and can hit consistently from deep, you want that guy in the game. I mean, if Wolf gets it figured out, Ege stays in the lineup, that's nine playable guys that you've got right now. Unless you want to go back to eight and one of these guys sits on the bench. I mean, (laughs) Coach Jake played Derek Krogman at one point in the year. Granted, that was with Cole Henry out, but maybe you go 10 deep. And you just do pace, 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 pace. I think this is something that Coach Jake would also agree with, that they're gradually figuring this thing out this season, what guys are capable of. And so we'll see. I, I Again, I doubt it. They they, infor- they they emphasize pace anyway with being, you know, eight deep, nine deep. So I don't necessarily think that'd be a, a switch that they would make, but it's a possibility. Um and so, so many different things you can do with this lineup if if Ege is playing well like this with that improved defense and Landon Wolf, you know, corrects that shot. I don't know if he's got the yips. I don't know. He missed a shot in warmups the other day and looked pretty frustrated. So maybe he's just in a situation. Yips are a strong word too. But maybe he's just, you know, going through one of those stretches. And I, as you know, I'm very high on Landon Wolf. I think that guy is a playmaker. He's a shooter. He's very long. He's confident. I'm I'm a big fan. Uh, he's a good kid too. So we'll see what happens there. But lots of different opportunities for this team to continue to grow and and get a lot better over these next few weeks while winning. I really think that's that's a possibility. They'll take on Valpo on Wednesday night. That should be another road win, and they'll move to three and two. We'll see though. Valpo Ben Cricky, he's really good, and so is Kobe King. Other than that. We'll see how they figure it out, but uh, a talented big like Ben Cricky could could give them some fits on on the road on Wednesday. We're going to head to break one more time, and we will be back here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk talking about those guys that are still in the portal from UNI and Iowa and maybe a little bit from Iowa State. We'll see what we can get you. Stay right here for more Cornstalks and Sports Talk. And we're back, baby. Flipping it over to football for this final segment here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk. As of today, I shared an article on KOEL.com as well as the KOEL app where you can always listen to Cornstalks and Sports Talk as well. Also follow along with all the UNI coverage, Iowa coverage, Iowa State coverage for, for sports. More specifically, UNI stuff from me as I am a UNI insider for Town Square Media. But we got that article up today. If you want to check it out, it's all the information from Iowa, Iowa State, and UNI players that are still in the portal for football. Uh, and seven of which are from UNI, which we'll start off talking about. And we'll hit those Iowa and Iowa State ones towards the end. And what I want to say here and what I want to get into is more so... If I think some of these guys are going to end up getting what they want out of entering the portal. And as of this moment, for you and I, I think there's only one, and that's Stefan Black, the second. Steph, obviously a, a two year starter, getting time as a freshman when Omar Brown went down, made that play against Southern Illinois, 
And then this season registered a pick, was a starter opposite of Wu Governor. And he's he's a talented kid. I believe he was a three-star out of high school, had offers from some FBS programs, but now decided to enter the portal after two years. Right now, he's the only one out of the seven that I've seen that have reported offers. All of these guys have before, so I'm assuming that he's the only one with offers at this point in time. Okay, I could be wrong. I don't know. Some of these portal guys don't share offers at all. Some of the high school kids don't share offers at all. So the only one that I'm aware of is is Steph Black. You can follow him on Twitter. It's SB2. So if you want to see uh, if he receives any more offers. At this point in time, he's been offered by Samford, Murray State, Alabama A&M, Richmond, and Stephen F. Austin. I don't know if he's leaning any particular way. I would assume one of those schools has got his attention. I've seen him respond to some tweets from a coach at Liberty, Maybe he wants to end up there. I really don't know. But I think Steph is really the only one who has gotten what he wanted out of entering the portal thus far. Other than that, the other six are linebacker Penny Nalu, cornerback Miguel Edwards, wide receiver Peter Udoibach, quarterback Matt Morrissey, wide receiver slash running back Terrence Kamara, and cornerback Jonathan Phoenix. And we've talked about all these guys entering the portal before, right? Now, in terms of... Well, also, before we get to that, Reed Snicker also entered the portal and ended up at D2 Davenport University, which I believe is in Michigan. Um, So, And he reported all of his offers. I think the only D1 he got was Drake, but they don't offer scholarships in the Pioneer League. So I guess not technically an offer. It depends on how you want to look at that. But he ended up finding the school that he wanted to be at, which is Davenport University. Now, of these six remaining guys... I think the biggest surprise to me that entered the portal would have been Terrence Kamara, just because Quan Hampton and Dion McShane both graduated this year. And the only returning slot guy with some experience is Sam Schnee. Of course, they brought in DJ Hart as well from North Dakota State, who will, I assume, fill that void. And maybe they just went out and got that guy because Kamara entered the portal. So I don't know. But Kamara was really good at running back, in my opinion, against Western Illinois. I think he showed some real talent, real promise. I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't want to keep switching positions. I have no idea what went into his decision to transfer. I believe he has two years left, three years left. Um, he's the he's the one guy of this list that I look at and say, I know for sure he could help a football team as soon as possible because he's he's small, but he's quick. He could be a great third down back. He could be your your slot receiver. I, I, I didn't see a ton of you and I practice this year, but I saw a decent amount of drops from him. But I also in his film, he, he put up some pretty cool stuff in terms of making some pretty talented catches. So I don't know. I, I, I think that if there is a, a guy that's going to end up somewhere and could really be successful, it's him. I'm surprised Western Illinois hasn't offered because he shredded them when he got some significant time uh, a year, uh, two years ago. Granted, it's a new staff, but still, they lost their small guy, Jalen Reed, to the portal, and Terrence Kamara's better. So uh, we'll see where, where he ends up. Other than that, you know, I, I said... Camara really being the only guy. That's not true. Matt Morrissey can can sling it. And I, I think that probably not a high-level FCS team would would go get him, but an FCS team would. He is probably talented than a de- more talented than a decent amount of starters across the FCS. 
he just was not going to usurp Theo Day's starting position this offseason. Nobody would. I don't care if you're Lindsey Scott. I don't care if you're an FBS transfer coming down to the FCS and you think you have a shot to take Theo Day's job. That's not happening. As long as Bodie Reader's around, Theo Day's the guy. And as much as Coach Farley loves a good quarterback competition in camp, it's it's going to be Theo Day in, in 2023. Now, that might be indicative as to how talented Matt Morrissey is. Somebody could go out and get him and he play really well for them for two years, and who knows after that. But the thing that would maybe make me pause in regards to Matt Morrissey is because he's a quarterback, and you'd have to have him come in and, and learn a playbook. And he didn't commit anywhere or sign anywhere during the early signing period, and so he might not be able to go to his next school until the fall. Uh, granted, I this eligibility transfer stuff is weird. So I could be wrong about that. And then I throw Peter Udoibach in there because he is a FBS transfer. Granted, he was a preferred walk on at Minnesota, but he is an FBS transfer and he was a second string receiver with the Panthers this season before camp or excuse me, during camp. And then going into the season, he was moved down to the third string. Is that because of somebody just being better? I would assume so. Wide receiver group, super talented, super deep from last season. And he's probably just frustrated with that. Maybe things just didn't go his way following. So I think Udoibach could end up somewhere and and really help somebody out too. He was somebody I was excited about last season. So, you know, with that said, I really, he hasn't received any offers. So uh, who's to say about that? And then, In regards to the other players, you know, this is my personal thinking. I don't know if this is true. I would imagine it is. If you've transferred or if you've entered the portal more than once, that would make me nervous. Again, I don't know the specifics of the situations of any of these guys. If you enter the portal more than one time and you spend less than, you know, a semester somewhere, I don't know that I want to bring you in and have you be a part of my football team. And I think that's that's a fair way of thinking. It's a fair philosophy. It's a fair expectation of coaches at the D1 level because who's to say if this guy created his own problems, if he's a guy that won't buy in, if he's a guy that is impatient, and wants to play right away and assumes he's going to get it because he was an at, at, an, at an FBS level before. Who's to say? I don't know. I've never been an FCS or an FBS head football coach, but that would make me nervous. I mean, if you're spending a semester or less at a school that has the reputation of a program like you and I, I don't, I don't know why I'd want you on my football team. And I mean, this, this is universal, right? Like this applies to, to other programs across the country that might have high level uh, players or, or regularly churn out guys in the NFL draft, what have you. That would make me nervous, make me skeptical as to if I should bring you in and have you be a part of my football team. To reiterate, of those players that I listed, I don't know the specifics of their situation at all. 
I also know that they didn't get a lot of playing time at UNI this year. And if there's anything that that proved to, to guys that are looking to end up at UNI in the portal, you have to earn your time. You will not be given your time because you came from wherever. You have to earn it. Just because you started at the FBS level, just because you started at a high major school does not mean that you get to play at UNI just because of your talent. You have to learn the system. You have to show up every day and show that you want to be a part of the football program, that you're willing to learn that you want to be great. I mean, Woo Governor is the perfect example of this. He came in a year ago, thought he was going to earn time, and he didn't right away. Austin Evans was already at the corner position, and then Stefan Black, again, who was a true freshman, got playing time over him. What did he do over the offseason? He bought in, and then he tied for the lead in the MVFC in interceptions. Two pick sixes in one game. He and Benny Sapp both led the team with four picks, and he ended up on second-team all-conference. First-team all-conference, according to some other outlets. Woo Governor is what you look at and say, this guy loves football. He bought in, and he's gotten drastically better, and he wants to lead this team. And if you can go and get guys like that in the portal that do buy in, that's who you want. Let's say, I'm sticking with this program. I've seen it work. I want to listen to these coaches and take some individual responsibility, not look at the situation and blame anybody else, but say, what am I doing that's not getting me on the football field? Those are the players that you want. And... I don't know about these other guys. Maybe they end up D2. Maybe they end up at at a JUCO. Maybe they end up at another D1 program. And great if they do. Good for them. Wish them all the best, certainly. Sincerely, I do. I want to see these kids succeed, especially chasing a dream. I'm I'm always going to be in support of, of anybody chasing a dream, and especially athletes that I have covered at one point in time. Now, on to Iowa and, and Iowa State as far as players that have entered the portal. The few that stick out from from Iowa I think there's only two I'm pulling up the article as we speak uh, three rather first one is Terry Roberts he's going to end up somewhere he was awesome this this season for Iowa as he was needed to step up he's heard from and received offers from Arkansas Wisconsin Michigan State West Virginia Penn State and James Madison and Minnesota for for FBS programs. I think Georgia Southern's actually FBS too. And so is UMass. So the only FCS programs to offer Terry Roberts were UNI and Delaware. I imagine he'll end up at one of these bigger schools and and get a year of playing time and and really increase his draft stock, even though it was already probably decently high after after what he's done, but show that he can stay healthy and, and really play well. And then there's Arlen Bruce. He's only heard from Arkansas and Mississippi State, as far as I know. No offers. He visited both schools, and he's another guy that I think can really contribute somewhere. Small, super fast, can return punts, can run the ball, can play wide receiver. I think he's going to end up somewhere and, and be successful. And then there's Alex Padilla. I have no freaking clue what to expect for Alex Padilla. Not, not, no idea. Not, not even a little bit. I would love to see him succeed again. Same deal. Never want to root for anybody to, to not succeed, but I, I just genuinely have no clue if he's going to end up somewhere at group of five at an FCS level. I really, I think he showed that he's not a power five level guy. I, I think that's fair. Even in the Brian Ferentz system, I don't think he's going to end up anywhere 
necessarily where you see him play a lot, especially at a power five school. Maybe he'll get some time at a, at a group of five school, go back to where he's from in, in Colorado, play for Colorado state. Lord knows they can use some talent. And then other than that, the only way I see it shaking out him getting some real time is, is at the FCS level. I just don't think he showed enough to be a guy that a power five school looks at him and says, Hey, he can be our starter, you know? So that that's it for Iowa. As far as notable guys, Carson may entered the portal today as well. Big dude. I think, I mean, he's got four years of eligibility left, but the only other two schools that offered him when he was in school were, or when he was in high school were Western Michigan and old dominion. So I don't necessarily think that plays well to, to him receiving any big time offers out of the portal. Again, I, I think I honestly think the best bet for him would be to go group of five or FCS as well. When you're at Iowa, it's just not conducive to other programs saying, Hey, he played quarterback at Iowa. We really want that guy. You know, it's, it's just true. You know, I, and Carson may could very well be nasty, be really good for all I know. But if you're behind Petrus and Alex Padilla and Joey Labus, even as a true freshman, We'll see. Uh, maybe Michigan, Western Michigan comes out and Old Dominion comes out with an offer. I think I saw an article from 24-7 Sports that said he was starting to be pursued by some Power 5 schools, but you, uh, excuse me, but Iowa came out with the offer right away, so that's where he committed. Big dude. I think prototypical size for a quarterback. He's going to be tough to tackle, and I'm assuming he can launch it. He looks like a Nate Stanley, Spencer Petrus sort of prototype that Kirk Ferentz has brought in to play quarterback at Iowa. Now for Iowa State, as guys, as far as guys that are still in the portal, you know, Deion Silas entered. He's, ended, he's, he's going to Rhode Island. The only name that I even remotely recognized looking initially at these, at these players would be Sean Shaw, who played wide receiver for five years at Iowa State. Over that time period, he caught 61 passes for 680 yards and nine touchdowns. So that's an FCS guy to me, given that you know the production wasn't huge. But this is a guy that I think can step into a pretty solid FCS program, play some slot, and and maybe return punts too. I th- I think he'll be he'll be good, and wherever he he ends up, probably again group of five, more likely FCS. And then it's Mason Chambers, who's a safety, and Tavon Kyle who's a defensive back for Iowa State. Tavon Kyle was really experienced for them. He earned honorable mention, Big 12 honors in 2019 and 2020. And then his playing time just fell way off. He's only got one year of eligibility left, but over his time time period with the Cyclones, he registered 76 tackles, seven tackles for a loss, 12 pass breakups, and an interception. And then safety Mason Chambers, Played a lot of special teams, but also got two starts at safety in 2022. He's received offers from Abilene Christian, Incarnate Word, and Louisiana Monroe so far. You know, you and I is in a position where I thought they were going to sign a defensive back that didn't sign at the early signing period. I was told that something went awry with that. They they wanted to wait him wait for him to sign until the following semester. He's since received a couple more offers. So I don't know what's what's happening there, but maybe you and I goes out and gets a guy like Tavon Kyle, who was honorable mention Big 12 twice, played some 
serious cornerback minutes at the Big 12 level and, and played pretty well and only has a year left of eligibility. You throw him in at that corner spot where Stephon Black was and maybe he's your guy. You know, I, and this is speculation. I know nothing about an offer or anything to any of these players from you and I. As far as I know, since the new year, you and I has not offered any new players in the 2023 class, whether transfer portal or high school guys. So we'll keep tabs on that. Of course, Ethan Petrick from the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, who's a regular guest here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk. He's always right on top of that. He, he usually beats me to that stuff. But if anything crazy happens, we'll definitely share on that. Of course, Kyle Conrardi, who's a five-star kicker, just committed to Iowa or UNI, which is wild. Definitely didn't see that coming. I believe he's the first five-star out of high school to commit to UNI. Uh, granted, he's a kicker, but he will be a Panther as of right now. He's verbally committed. So we will uh, we will see if he stays committed. He has tagged a few other coaches and stuff like that in his few workout videos that he's posted online since committing. So <clears throat> do, do with that what you will. UNI is one of the few schools that has offered him a scholarship out of high school. That doesn't usually happen unless you're a really freaking good kicker. So do with that what you will. And that'll wrap up this midweek episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk, hitting some UNI news, some Iowa and Iowa State players as well. And then, of course, talking a little bit about Damara Hamlin, who will be in our prayers. And that link will be in the description wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, the KOEL app. Before you go, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, leave that rate and review. If you're on Spotify, follow. If you're on Google, I don't even know what you do there, but... Make sure you hit that subscribe and follow button because that way you're not going to miss any episodes of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk. You leave that rate and review. That'll help us out so much. So, so, so much. So please do that. Also subscribe on YouTube. Just search Corn Stocks and Sports Talk. Actually, just search Elliot Clough. <laughs> You'll find us there. So once again, folks, my name is Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm a UNI insider for Town Square Media. This was another week's midweek episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk.